0: family, we're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Specifically, we're going to be in verse 9 through 11, just three simple verses that I'm going to read. I'm going to really quickly just talk about last week, probably the number one way for you to get reacquainted with what we're talking about. If you didn't see last week, last week we talked about Pentecost, the power of Pentecost. So that portion of scripture is in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and we talked about the power of Pentecost and we need to be revived, reconciled and redeemed. But I want to tell you something when we sing this song that revivals in the air, we can't have revival in the air without reconciliation being in the air. Let me say that again. We can't have revival in the air if we don't have reconciliation in the air. We can't we can't walk as redeemed people, as redeemed creation without reconciliation so last week we talked about reconciliation being in the middle of these two. Today I'm going to talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But instead of jumping to, in later parts of the book of Acts, it talks about these incredible signs and wonders and these powerful things that happen. I'm going to talk about the first thing that I believe God wants to empower in each one of us as individuals as we walk empowered. What He speaks to first... Because if we don't know first what God has empowered in us, we will never be able to walk empowered to empower the people. Are you catching what I'm saying this morning? Let's read this. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, At the time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now this John guy was his cousin. His name was John the Baptist. Interesting, eccentric fellow. Said that he dressed kind of wild and he ate bugs. He's probably not like the standout popular guy, but he was delivering a message and he was baptizing people, and Jesus came along, and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, his cousin. Says, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, I just want to stop for a second. I want to forewarn you this morning. I'm gonna preach. OK. So like if you're like, hey, you know, I came to church today and I just want to be able to sit and I just want to get my word. But I don't want to be heard. I'm a, like, I am going to preach and you better shout me down off of this platform when I preach. OK, listen. There, There, there is revival in the air and that is freedom in the air. And what I'm about to read to you is going to mark your life for the rest of your existence, this side of heaven. I'm I'm setting the expectation. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. This is a foreshadowing of what would happen in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost came to the 120 that were waiting in the upper room. I love that Jesus walked through his experiences before we walked through ours so that we can have an encounter with a personal Jesus. While this happens, it says in verse 11, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and I am well pleased. When Jesus receives, the Holy Spirit comes down God speaks through the Holy Spirit coming down. He speaks and he says, here are three core areas that I need you to be able to show to humanity. Holy Spirit's going to speak to Jesus' identity. He's going to speak to his worth. Speak to his approval. That when we walk empowered with the Holy Spirit, the first thing Holy Spirit does and needs to do is speak to our identity, our worth, or our value, and our approval. Number one, empowerment speaks to your identity. God says, You are my son. This word, son, is pretty self explanatory. It places identity. It says, Directly, who Jesus is. You are my son. It speaks to one of uh, the core questions of humanity. It answers it, and this is the question that every single one of us at some time of our life probably have asked Who am I? I found myself in life in the middle of lots of great success that the world would say, but I was a mess. I found myself in the midst of everything, and this was the question. I didn't ask any other question but this one thing. At the end of the day, when God got a hold of me, this was the question that I asked. Who am I? I was wrestling with my identity. I believe that God spoke to Jesus' identity first because confusion about who you are leaves it way too open and easy for others to speak to who they think you are. Should I say that again? God wants to speak to your identity first so that you aren't confused about who you are because when I'm confused about who I am, I'm too open for other people telling me who they think that I should be. Right after Jesus comes up out of the water and the Spirit of God falls on him, and God, the Father speaks. He speaks as a father. Fathers give identity, don't you know? They pass down DNA, don't you know? It's a bit of a spiritual paternity test that Jesus had. You're my son. He didn't, he didn't say that to Jesus, so Jesus wasn't mistaken. He said that so the people around him wouldn't be mistaken. God wants to speak to your identity today, not so much for your sake, but also for the sake of others. There's no mistaken identity about Pat. He's the son of a living God. When you see me walking in my identity, you know who my daddy is. It says says that the same spirit of God that comes down on him and rests on him actually took him out into the wilderness. What? That's some crazy stuff right there. Took him out into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Turn to somebody and say, 40 days and 40 nights. You know, when we get to the end of 40 days and 40 nights of being quarantined and the COVID talk and all this other stuff that's going on, we get kind of tired. And when you're at the end of yourself, it gets really easy to get tempted. Have you ever been really tired and you fall into temptation that otherwise you wouldn't fall into? It's because you're struggling with who you are. Enemy's got you questioning who you are. What is, what is Satan? He literally gets tested and tempted by Satan. This is what it says in Luke 4:3. The devil said to him, said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, oh, that two-letter word if. Mm. The power of IF. If you are the Son of I- if you are your daddy's son. I feel like the people globally right now, what, what God is doing, says, we're singing the song, Revival's in the Air. Do you know what the first thing that I think God wants to revive is the identity of his people? He wants Malachi. He wants to call kids back to their fathers. Why? Because he needs us to know our origins and our identity. You guys are going to get a whole other message the other service did not get. That's why you've got to watch all three on YouTube. If you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He answers with scripture. I love that. Side note, it's important for you to know the word of God so that you can battle this issue of identity with the devil. When people start telling you who you think, I'd say, no, 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 no. This is what my daddy said. My daddy told me growing up all the time that, that, I, that I was amazing, that I was good looking. Okay, you see what I'm saying? And I carry my daddy's identity See, the purpose, it's like Jesus said to, the, said to Satan, the purpose of my empowerment is to restore what's dead, not to, not to bake bread. Jesus is like, don't confuse me. I'm a savior, I'm not a chef. Who you are will always inform what you do. Shout out to all the, can we give a huge round of applause at home and in here? Could you just give a huge round of applause for all the graduates, college and high school? I just want to say great job. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got the short end of the COVID stick. Like, it, it's like, it's buster. Like, I'm sorry. I get it. And it's so cool to see, like, how families are celebrating kids, and we have family members that just grab, it's just, it's so, so good. The first question, is, what are you going to do? Everybody says, go home and quarantine. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, what are you going and to, and then, and then we're like, I remember being a youth pastor with my own children, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you grow up? I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm 46 years old, and I get up every morning, and I'm like, what are you going to do? And I always told my kids, I always told the kids in our youth group, I'm saying this to you now. If you can answer the question of who you are, it will determine what you do. And God knows that a confused identity that's been empowered will confuse the purpose of being empowered. You want me to say that again? God knows that a confused identity that has been empowered will confuse the purpose of being empowered. There are lots of people that are followers of Jesus that have been empowered by the Holy Spirit but don't stand in right identity, and they get it wrong. That's a tough word. Lots of people moving in powerful things but don't have the character of right identity Boy, you better have good, right character when you're released in power. We, we, we have a character issue in power in our world right now. Lots of, lots of personas on platforms that have power with poor character. Now, pastor, don't start saying that. Sometimes, because of that poor character, you think that your purpose is to tell other people who you think they are, instead of telling them who God says that they are. It's getting hot. And oftentimes, because of that, when I look at other people, the problem that I have with who other people are, is actually a reflection of my own security and who I am. I don't want I I don't want you to walk empowered because that threatens me. That threatens my that threatens my identity. <laughs> right? But God says I'm a son, and if I'm a son, I'm not threatened by your identity. We only find true security in our true identity as sons and daughters. God said, you Are my son, my daughter. Number two, empowerment speaks to your worth. God says to Jesus, You are my son whom I love. The word love means to value worth or worthy of love. This answers another core question to humanity Am I worthy? So many times, low self-esteem and your sense your own sense of worth, how you how you how you perceive your value, will actually impact how and where you will walk. First Peter 1.18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed hold on a second, wait a minute, hold up, wait a minute. What you're saying is, I wasn't purchased with material items. It goes on to say, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious or priceless blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Your worth has actually been determined by what you were bought with. Value is an interesting thing. Value is actually based on what a person is willing to pay for something. So right now, like, we just went through three months toilet paper. The value of toilet paper went up. So people were like, doing everything they could. And then we had some people that were opportunistic, so they bought a bunch of toilet paper and they tried to sell it for a higher price. Why? Because they knew that the value fluctuated. And the value was set not by what Costco was selling it for, not by what your, your local Walmart was selling for, but by what someone was willing to pay. I want to tell you that you were worth the priceless life of God's son. And scripture tells us, the Bible tells us, that God is the same yesterday, today, and favor. Do you know that he doesn't change? So if he doesn't change, his value doesn't change. And if Jesus' value doesn't change, that means your value doesn't change. See, the market may fluctuate with values, but God's economy doesn't fluctuate when it comes to the value of your life. So when we're all like, oh my gosh, my house price, you know, my house was worth, if if you're listening right now and you don't live in California, you can laugh at us because this is kind of how it feels in California. But like, my one-bedroom house that looks like a shack, you know, it was worth $9 million. Yeah. But You know, now the value has gone down. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And we stress out about this fluctuation in value. But you don't have to worry about the fluctuation of your value. And we combat the venomous voices of low self-esteem by saying something that the great psalmist said. I want to read this. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hold on a second. The psalmist is saying that before I actually even believe it, before I even have been shown my value that you've placed on me, I'm going to praise you because I know that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I know the value that you placed on my life. And then it goes on to say, Your works are wonderful. Sometimes when I get up in the morning and I feel like things are coming down on me and the value of my life is being put under scrutiny and pressure, I got to stand up and I got to encourage myself. I got to get up and look at myself in the mirror and say, Man, you look good. You look great this morning. You are handsome. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God told me that your works are wonderful, and I'm a work of God. So, Pat, you are wonderful. You are a wonderful human being. You look good today. When the enemy wants to preach at us and tell us these lies of deception and be deceitful and try to get us distracted, we got to stand up like the great psalmist and say, let me preach at you for a second, devil. Let me, pre- let me just tell you that I'm going to praise God because I'm fearfully and wonderfully, that I look good, that I am wonderful. Somebody better, somebody better like say, give me an amen. Amen. You better stand up and you better shout to somebody that you are wonderfully made. Can you turn to somebody and say, I'm wonderful. Man, mind the six foot of separation. But you better slap somebody over this. This verse is like a weapon that God has locked and loaded for us to aim at the head of the enemy. Every time he wants to step to us and he wants to challenge us with our value and our worth, we just go, I'm sorry, devil, but not today. I know my worth. And you know what, when I know it, so I start walking into situations, I see a situation that before, I'd be like, I don't want to walk into that situ- situation, I don't, I don't, I'm not valued enough, I don't have what it takes to go to that restaurant, I don't have what it takes to go to that neighborhood, I start walking in like, I'm sorry, I don't think you know my worth, I don't think you know my value, I start walking in with a swagger that I didn't have before, you know why, because I stepped into the value that God gave me, man, you are wonderful this morning, you are wonderful. Now, I told you I was going to preach. I need an organ. I need, a, I mean, I'm calling TD. I'm going I'm to get some of his people over here or something. Call me White Chocolate. This is, a, this is a word for you this morning. Like, this is, this is a prophetic word for your life. This is a prophetic word for our cities this morning. This is a prophetic word for our nation this morning and for our world this morning. You know, when I turn on the TV and I see people protesting, when I see, when I, I grew up in Oceanside, my wife and I, and I flip open my Instagram and I see pictures In Oceanside, of people laying in the street with their face down, protesting the death of George Floyd. Do you you know what's actually being said? I just want you to know my value. I just need you to know my worth. I know what my worth is. Do you know my worth matters? If you, and if you don't accept my worth, you have no value. Because I'm part of it all. So we're watching people across the globe walk in the streets. Thank God for our young people. Young people that I see walking in the street saying, I am going to do what maybe generations before me couldn't do. I'm going to stand on the shoulders Of the generations before me. Of my ancestors. And I'm going to choose to walk. And I'm going to choose to declare. I have value. I'm worthy. That is the fight. That we're facing. Can I tell you something? That is a spiritual battle. The enemy wants to keep us in polarized corners, making it an us versus them thing. And we have far too much in common to allow the enemy to tell us that we are anything but absolutely wonderful. Because I'm wonderful. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm wonderful. Hold on. Turn to the person next to you and say, You are wonderful. Empowerment speaks to your approval. Spirit of God comes upon us. God's like, I want you to know your identity. I want you to know that you're worthy. And I'm going to speak to your approval. God says, with you I am well pleased or in whom I am well pleased. That word pleased means chosen, to do willingly, to prefer, approve, or accept. Did you know that God didn't like just happen to like save the rest of the fruit and you just happened to be laying there on the table next to it? Some of us walk in our life like, well, I was like probably an afterthought to God. Nope. You were purposefully made. You were wonderfully and purposefully made. He's woven every part of who you are together. He looks at you and he's just like, man, the word is poema. You're a perfect work of art with every word and letter placed exactly how it needs to be. You're not a random sentence. You're a poem. That's who you are. I chose every single part of who you every part of your, your DNA, every the, the way that your eyebrows sit on your face, the way that your eye that the color of your eye the, the, the shade of the color of brown of your eye. I, I chose I chose the beautiful shade of the color of your skin. I I, cho- I chose that you were gonna have a size ten foot, Pat. I chose that you were gonna be five foot ten with legs the size of someone who's four foot six. Look at this lot of body. Little bit of legs. If I had proportionate legs, I'm like, God, I want to argue with you. I'd be like six foot four. Then I'd be wonderful. God's like, no, that's the devil. I didn't mistakenly choose you. I preferred you. I desired you. Do you know what this answers? This is a key question. We all want to know who we are. We all want to know that we're worthy, and we all want to know that we belong. He said, "You're accepted. You're accepted. Just you're accepted with those little bitty legs, dude. Fred Flintstone looking legs. You're accepted, Pat. Arms that match. I look like a T-Rex when I surf. You know, it's like these arms flailing about. Put your hands over your head. I'm like, woo! I say sorry to my seven daughters right now. You, if you get your daddy's legs or arms, you are wonderfully made." I'm accepted. I belong. Ephesians one four says, "For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight." Do you know what that means? That means that like you weren't born, and then God was like, mm, "Nah, I don't choose that one." Next. Mm, nah. I don't choose that one either. You were chosen before you were even woven together in your mother's womb. God's like, I don't even need to see your face to know that you're going to be wonderful and that I'm accepting of you. It's not a question. We're the only ones who question that. We look on the outside. People are born. We're like, nah, Mm -mm. no, you're over there. Oh, you're highly, you're accepted. You've got the look. You've got the it factor. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to what? Sonship speaks back to our identity. Oh. Through who? Jesus Christ. You and I have been approved through Jesus Christ. You know the priceless dude. That bought us. You and I weren't purchased with like. Bitcoin. Gold. Cash that can burn. We weren't bartered for. We were chosen. Purposefully. Wonderfully. To be given an identity as sons and daughters. Empowered. By the very Spirit of God that gave him the ability to speak creation into existence. And the first thing that he did was he breathed what? Life into the lungs of Adam. You know, that's why, just side note, that's why that statement, I can't breathe, is so deeply spiritual. So many levels to that statement. I watched some content very good friend of mine. His name is Glenn Henry. He has a YouTube channel called Belief in Fatherhood. His boys are my godsons. His oldest, Theophilus Patrick Henry, Was named after me. I watched the most profound thing that Glenn put out with a guy named Timothy who goes to our church. In the midst of all this, we say, I can't breathe, Glenn sat down and he, in one of his latest episodes, he took her to Uriah, his second oldest son of Theo, who was his oldest. sat and he taught them to breathe. I want to declare right now the breath of life empowered by the spirit, the very same spirit that created everything that we see in the very beginning. I want to echo what Glenn was saying and what Timothy was talking about. You have been given breath, God has spoken over you. This is deeply spiritual, manifesting in the natural. Catch this. Let us not forget what's happening in the natural, but understand that the battle is in the spiritual. And when we can dismantle what the enemy wants to tear down in us understanding our identity, our worth, and that we have been chosen, when we can dismantle the powers of the enemy on that front spiritually, we will see a change in the natural. When we sing revivals in the air, that's a declaration of reconciliation. It's like saying, hey, there's something coming. Do you see it? There's something coming. Do you see it? We say, Holy Spirit, come. He's like, Oh, I'm already here. You know, Holy Spirit's already here. It's just that we now only are finding our first perception of Him here. We're like, Holy Spirit, you need to come. And Holy Spirit's like, Fool, I've been here the entire time. You just, you haven't had eyes to see. right now, like we just sang in the song, there's a wind blowing, of revival, God, of your presence and your Holy Spirit. Right now, I ask for a complete and an utter rushing wind of your presence on every street, in every community, in every city, in every nation. God, that we would be prepared to do battle when it comes to our identity, our worth, and our approval. That we would be prepared to do battle on behalf of brothers and sisters who their identity, their value, and their approval is under attack. God, that we would be prepared, that we would say, Holy Spirit, come. That we would be prepared to stand up and say, nah, not today, devil. discrimination not today devil racism not today devil because I've been fearfully and wonderfully made because you've been fearfully and wonderfully made and sometimes we gotta get we gotta get nasty with the devil we gotta get aggressive with the devil we gotta stand on what God's given and we gotta get aggressive with the devil we got to preach at the devil and say, I know who said, I know who said my identity was a son. I know who sent his son to give me value. And I know who has accepted me. And I'm ready to do battle. I am ready to be empowered by the life-giving breath of the Spirit of God so I can breathe let's stand I'm not going to stop preaching about this until we see revival we can't we can't stop this is not emotionalism This is not emotionalism. It's not like a spike in my emotions one day that I feel really passionate about something. It's purpose. Do you know your purpose was you were made to be a reconciler because you've been reconciled? You you, you, you were created to help other people become sons and daughters because you have been reconciled to a father and you're a son and a daughter? Did Did you know that's our purpose? Our purpose is to bring justice. His name is Jesus. That is our purpose. And I'm ready to fight. And it's not flesh and blood, but it's powers and principalities. And I am ready to kick the devil's rear quarters. Are you with me this morning? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. If you feel comfortable doing so, I want you to close your eyes because it helps me focus when I close my eyes because I got ADD or something. So when I close my eyes, God, unfocus us off the things that we've been distracted by. off, off, off. Get us off platforms and get us into personal relationships. Get us off platforms and into personal relationships. Get us out of our posts. Get us out of our posts and our platforms. Get us into personal relationships where we're speaking identity and value and approval over people's lives. This is our cry here this morning. Empower us as people. Empower us as your church. Empower us to be able to look into things and see them as they are. Father, we thank you and in the great psalmist's words, this is our mantra as we walk out today that I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I want you to say this to me. Say, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. I look good. No, say it. I look good. Say, I'm wonderful. She's wonderful. He's wonderful, and we're ready to kick the enemy's butt. Come, You guys, man, you, you got to have some life in you. All right, in Jesus' name, God get a hold of them as they walk out the door. Let the wind blow. There's revival coming. Amen.